So do I have menacing eyebrows? You have daughters, right? You can ask oh, yeah, one oh, yeah. of them to paint them in with, with uh, mascara or something. <laughs> because I have no idea. His eyebrows were referred to as psychotic. Hello and welcome to another potentially useful episode of the TCAPS Loop Podcast. My name is Larry Burden, and I'm cautiously optimistic that I won't regret inviting the technologist, David Noller, on today's show. Good morning, I, I like that you're cautiously optimistic <laughs> about that, because you never can tell. <laughs> is this, I, I have uh, wide expectations. Very wide. <laughs> Broad expectations. Wide. Not necessarily high, but wide. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to start using that line. <laughs> Before we commence the EdTech Discourse, let's dive into the TCAPS loop moment of zen. I think 99 times and I find nothing. I stop thinking, swim in silence, and the truth comes to me. Albert Einstein. And I think that actually kind of fits, ties in a little bit with what we're, we're going to be discussing in the sense that we're being introduced or adopting a bit of a new system in the district. And I think instead of overthinking it, I think sometimes we need to quiet ourselves and let it sink in a little bit. We need, we need, to, we need to float it in a little bit. Yeah, I think you're not wrong there. I think the, what we're going to be talking about today, because of its focus back on a kind of holistic approach, allows us to kind of forgive ourselves from always having to be so data-driven about statistics where we forget that the statistics are reflective of people. And we're kind of, as a State Department of Ed, and then filtering down through schools, we're remembering that, that the statistics reflect the people. I think we're moving in a good direction here. What is the system? What is this change that we're talking about? Thank you for asking. Uh, it's it's summarized as MICIP, which stands for Michigan Continuous Improvement Process. And it is summarized, and I'm just going to read this from the Michigan Department of Ed summary. It's a pathway for districts to improve student outcomes by assessing whole child needs to develop plans and coordinate funding. There's some stuff in there that I... I'm not going to be an expert on. The stuff about coordinating funding has to do with working with community members and community partners and, and things like that. But I'm not, I'm not a funding guy. So I'm not here to, to really address that. I do think that in the world of educational technology, we can have some input and we can have some uh, suggestions regarding how we can improve student outcomes by assessing whole child needs. And it's not just about using a website or having kids engage in a particular online tool. I think it's also reminders of when technology is effective and when technology might get in the way of an experience that's going to assess the whole child needs. So it's, a, it's an interesting concept. It's one that we're just getting into in the, in the state. We are still in the rollout process of MyKip. It hasn't reached its final uh, form yet. Uh, and so I think now is an interesting time to start talking about it and thinking about it. I'd like to read this because I think it's important in 
uh, defining what we're talking about when we say the whole child, because I yes. think that is that's a pretty nebulous idea. Right. And uh, you had, you had sent this to me earlier this week, so I'm just going to read the MyKip target the whole child and what they de- what they define it as. The whole yes. child is a unique learner comprised of interacting dimensions such as cognitive, physical, behavioral, social, and emotional. And I love that it gets that whole that broad range. The whole child lives within multiple and interconnected environments, including the home, school, and community. So when we're talking about ed tech, and as you were mentioning earlier, one of the great uses or great strengths of educational technology is giving us data that we can then use to inform our, our pedagogy and our processes. It's a little more murky or the data gets a little harder to define when we actually are starting to talk about that whole child because there's so many variables. And I think maybe in the past, when because we're so data-focused, we just kind of push those variables that are harder to quantify to the side and don't acknowledge them as, as important as they actually are in educating the full child. There's no question in there. I'm just looking for somebody to nod and smile and say, Larry, you're right. I think you are right. Um, I think, you know, teachers have uh, responded to that over time where, you know, the sort of state scores come out about our standardized tests. And we all say to ourselves, but that doesn't reflect who my kids are. That doesn't necessarily reflect that my student had just broken up with her significant other that day and did poorly as a result. Or um, I've got two or three students who come to school hungry every day, and that's going to have an impact on whether or not that student has the opportunity to learn in the same way as another student. It doesn't tell the whole story. And I'm hoping that through this MyKip approach to understanding the whole child in all of these dimensions, that we're going to have an opportunity to present outcomes as part of a truly integrated vision of what the learner looks like. And I think also we have time now to say there is no such thing as an average learner. We've tried that for so long. We've tried to find that average learner to base everything off of. We need a baseline. We need a median. And now with the MyKip, I love that, you know, you you pointed out the idea of, of the interacting dimensions, the cognitive, physical, the behavioral, social, and emotional. It starts by saying the whole child is a unique learner. That's what I focused on in, in my first read-through of this was that we're not trying to go for an average. We're not trying to go for what learners should all attain. I think in the past, we've had this vision of you know, 100% attainment should be the goal. And maybe through the understanding of the whole child, through all of its dimensions and connected within homeschool and community, we understand now that our goals are going to be customized based on that student's experience and based on that student's participation in those communities. Why is my student sleeping during second hour? Is it because he's lazy and doesn't like class? Or is it because he's up until midnight working because he has to, because the family needs that extra income to to resolve their, their own needs? I think, you know, kind of what we're talking about here is recognizing that statistics are very valuable when it comes to the macro. 
um, when it comes to moving widgets appropriately to the right areas, statistics are very useful, especially the large-scale statistics we, we tend to talk about when we're looking at systems such as district funding or school funding. Statistics become much less helpful when we're looking at the micro yep. because of all the individual variables that go into that unique student. Now, setting that student up in an environment that is um, healthy and nurturing on a, again a macro level super important you're kind of yep. you're kind of making sure the dirt is good for the plant to grow yeah um and doing what you can in that way but each plant is you is is different and unique and then you're going to have to you know i guess add specific nutrients for that individual exactly. plant for it to thrive Exactly. And I think that's why we in TCAPS have begun focusing on the social-emotional learning that we've begun uh, to work on this year. We started in the summer with some, uh, we had a speaker and we had some professional learning there. But the idea of helping our students to learn about their place in society, to help them understand their own emotional response, even if it's a moment of allowing our students uh, 30 seconds to to meditate before they they take a a quiz by going through a, a simple breathing process. Danielle uh, Brostrom uh, has uh, a set of essentially uh, animations that she puts up on her overhead and the kids can breathe along as the objects move and settle themselves. Or maybe the idea is to put up something that they can get up and move to to get their energy back up after maybe sitting for too long. The idea is, and this is straight from the the MyKip mindset, um, talking about how to how to do this. One of the elements in that mindset is that it widens the view of student success beyond solely academic factors, and so that part of the way we can measure success is, frankly, is that kid coming to school happier? Is that kid coming to school feeling more welcome? Is that kid coming to school and getting fed? And all of those things are ways that we can measure student success. And it might not be a dot on a graph, but it is something that's part of that MyKip mindset. Again, I'm going to read a, a kind of a definition, or maybe it's just a statement about the mindset. It's a series of interdependent and aligned processes and people working together toward a common goal to bring desired results. And when when it talks about the people that are working together for this, it's the Michigan Department of Ed. It's our intermediate school districts. It's our local school districts. It's our buildings. It's our curricular departments, down to the teacher uh, down to um, support staff, food service, transportation, counselors. Everyone is involved in this. It's not a teacher-principal model anymore. It well, is and a also it's a community, not just the educational community. And I sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I think it's important to mention the reality is we are partners in education with our not just the educational community, but our parents. Yep, in the community around each child, and that's a very difficult variable to wrangle. Yes, and I think sometimes we just go, "Well, we can't wrangle it," but you have to understand that that is probably the most important variable in the uh, socio-emotional welfare of the child. So you kind of have to if you're looking yeah. at my kip as exactly as a process. And I think 
you know, people might look at this and say, well, it's too big. How do we, how do, we do that? Well, I'll tell you how. Because we did it years ago. Before this was ever a thing, we did a thing that was a response to young people's needs that widened our view of student success beyond solely academic factors in a way to tell them that they mattered and that they were valued and that told them that they were part of our community too. We built a skate park at the Civic Center. At the time, kids were skating all over and kids still do skate downtown and probably where they're not supposed to. But kids have a place to go on the east side of town where they can go and they can skate there. And there's even some graffiti that is almost like welcome graffiti because that's part of the culture of skating. And we did that not because we wanted to raise money because it's free to use. We did it to respond to the needs of the kids that were feeling like they weren't welcome in the community because they didn't have a place to go and do their thing. And so we built it. That's a kind of community approach or a community action that can happen when we look at our learners as something more than just how well they did on a standardized test. That's a great example of meeting the child where they are. Yeah. So let me ask you this. You know, we are uh, nominally an ed tech podcast. Yeah. Um, how can educational technology help? So there's a couple things. One of the things that that Danielle would like to bring up <laughs> are those... I should, I should say, this is not the last time we'll be hearing about uh, no. my kip this year. I hope not, because I'm not the expert. I really like the idea, um, and I'm learning about it, but I'm an early learner. And I think all of us who are getting into it are right now. I don't know that we have an expert, unless that's all they do. I know that Danielle would, would be talking about brain breaks, those kinds of uh, technology-based um, activities that can be done in a classroom that lead kids through an exercise to get their energy moving, or we mentioned like a meditative or a breathing exercise to get them calmed down, or just a short trivia exercise like on a Kahoot, just to get kids thinking about something else, just to give them a break, to have some fun. And I think that's part of what the MyKip approach it, even if it's not intentionally promoting it, it's allowing for us to do more with building community. That can happen through ed tech tools. You know, even if it's as simple as a, geez, a bright space discussion board that's non-academic in nature that has to do with, you know, what would you like to see in terms of a theme for homecoming? What kind of events? What are your concerns with homecoming? Are you okay with the fact that it tends to involve the same kind of people every year. And, you know, what would you do to be more inclusive with more people? That's a non-academic conversation that has to do with, with building community. And what I like about, uh, about that approach is that they get to write their ideas out. They get to edit their writing before they hit that submit button. And it's not the same few people talking. I get everybody in that conversation. And that's a community builder. Um, and I've already done a couple things like that this year. Just a real quick aside. I'm yeah. just thinking about that message board there as an opportunity to teach students in a safe social media, pseudo social media environment yep. to have them go through a, an actual writing prompt process yeah. and learn that maybe you should edit your thoughts before you hit send. And we talk about that and we talk about how to have disagreement 
that is civil and that is productive and that is meaningful. There's a phrase I use all the time, thoughtful, thorough, and complete. And when they're responding to any kind of a prompt, whether it's a, a several-page essay or a few sentences, their response to whatever question should be thoughtful, thorough, and complete. And I say the same thing is true when you're responding to your classmates about their ideas. You should respond to them in a way that's, that's thoughtful because you respect their opinion and you respect them as people. And so you want to give a thoughtful response in respect of their ideas. And you want it to be thorough to make sure that you're respectful of the time that they put into it. You'll put in a similar amount of time. And so we do we do kind of give a little bit of instruction about how to be how to have a kind of civil mature conversation in writing. And I hope that will bleed over into their their regular life when they're on their own social media. So I see something on here. Um, I have to imagine you have thoughts on because it says the word games. Yeah. <laughs> um, under EdTech tools that build community, you have non-academic collaborative games as brain breaks. Don't even, I, I know you've thought about this and have ideas. I've thought about it a lot. I need more time to work on this. So many of the games that are out there right now are competitive. Um, Book It is one of the new popular review games. And kids can pull up their phones and there's, let's say it's a vocabulary review. And then they can do things like uh, if like there was a cryptocurrency one I saw the other day. They can steal money from people if they get so many in a row and they can slow people down. I have multiple thoughts about it. A, it's fun. It's it's a game, it's active, it's fast, it's reviewing the content, it's serving an educational purpose, all that. But B, what if you're the kid that loses every single time, either because you process slower or you're not as fast picking the, the, the right button or you're colorblind and you can't tell the difference between the colors that you're supposed to tap on the screen? Again, so many different variables. Right. Uh, and I think that's something we don't pay much attention to, frankly. Is you're, that You're uh, a child that has um, that is dealing with issue, issues with anxiety, wherever that yeah. anxiety might right. come from, and then you're manifesting it in the classroom. Right. So I get that these things are fun, but I also wish we had something more in terms of collaborative uh, gameplay. I was just uh, reading an article about a gentleman who uh, joined a, uh, a Navy SEALs training. It's not the official Navy SEALs, but there's this group that actually right. put, puts together the Navy SEALs training. It's a two-day or two-and-a-half-day process. And the, the only way to actually get through the training is through teamwork, collaboration, and friendship. Right. And there's no way that you're going to be able to do it alone. And the people that actually do get through, which is about maybe 30% typically, 20 to yeah. 30% yeah. are the people that actually learn to work together as a team. Yeah. Well, I will say this as a kind of musical comparison. Have you ever seen those one-man bands on the street that have like a string tied to their shoe to beat the drum and then they've got a horn underneath their arm and then they've got their guitar, their banjo, and then their other shoe is tied to another string that hits a tambourine? Yes. yes. They're terrible. They're yes. awful. 
Now, one guy playing a guitar and singing, okay. One-man band, awful. You need a group of people working together to produce that harmony. I would say just one more thing about those EdTech tools. Nothing specific in terms of a tech tool, but anytime we can use them to provide students with a choice option where they get to engage with their own strengths in order to demonstrate what they've learned using a tech tool, that's great. Anytime we can offer them the variety of expression, are they going to express their learning and writing? Are they going to do it through artwork? Can they do it in another way? I think that's great. And then I don't know if this is possible yet in our district with the tools that we have av available, but what if we could have kids do a podcast or a vodcast, those kids that are great with speaking, but maybe aren't great with writing, but could speak their way through uh, what they've learned and even have a record a, a Google meet like we're doing. And, and that's how they did their review of the declaration of independence or what have you using those tools that allow kids to learn together and have a choice in how they express their learning is just one way we can meet these uh, opportunities within the MyKip uh, framework. When you were saying that, it sparked something. Some of the best learners I've ever been around are the best at asking questions. Absolutely. It would be great if we our, our kids were educated to be more comfortable asking the questions as opposed to giving the answers. That's if a great they, point. Thinking about, you know, the, specifically the vodcast or the podcast, if you're the host, you better be pretty good at asking questions. Right. And, you're, and you inevitably point. become a much better listener. I All think right. our tech tool of the week is a mindset. Ooh, I like that. Our that's, tech that's, tool of the week is the mindset of offering students voice and choice and variety of expression. That is such a technologist tech tool of the week right it there. It is. So let's close this bad boy out. So in closing, follow us on Twitter at TCAPS Loop. At technologist. All right. Subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Downcast, Overcast, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Thanks for listening and inspiring. Okay, I get it.